Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name, and Lord, we ask that you give us uh, the eyes to see, Lord, uh, ears to hear, hearts and minds ready to receive these warnings, these commands, these admonitions from your word. Help us to take, help us to take you at your word. Help us to take your word seriously. We want to be looking for how we're going to apply these things to our life. And so, Lord, in all things, we trust you. Have your way. You're God. We're not. You're in control. And so have your way with your people. Help us to yield ourselves to be a, a, a people of the book. And uh, we'll trust you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so now we're getting into the wrap-up. Right, we're gonna see in the final verses a, a great exhortation. What, what we've seen so far, right, in verses one and two, we got an introduction. We saw who wrote the book, who he wrote it to. And then in verse three, we saw the reason for writing. He wanted, a, he wanted the believers to earnestly contend for the faith. Why? Because verse four, false teachers are, you know, they, they say they're with us, they look like us, but they've actually got another agenda. And so then in verses five through seven, we saw this warning of the potential for a, ha- a fallen habitation. Uh, God's people were supposed to be in their place and, and man, their bodies littered the desert, the wilderness of sin. That generation that was saved was destroyed through unbelief. And then we saw the example of the angels and they left their first estate. They left the place of proper habitation and, and God now reserves them with chains and darkness. And then we saw the example of Sodom and Gomorrah. They left the place, just like the angels, they left the place of proper habitation. Uh, they went after a wicked uh, sexual pursuit and, and, and God removed them. Then we saw in verses eight through 13, the problem with a railing accusation, and and then we saw five pictures of apostates. And then we saw in verses 14 through 16 why the Lord Jesus Christ is returning, and it's for retribution. He's coming, among other things, he is coming to deal with false teachers. The Lord returns to judge. And then, you know, with the Lord returning with 10,000s of his saints, we took a week off of Jude and we did some speculation. We had last time was Speculation Sunday and, and um, we looked at the, the, maybe a, a scenario for the lie of the last days. How does the enemy explain away the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether to rapture out the bride or his coming to conquer, to rule and to reign? And so we had a a speculation Sunday last week. And I noticed attendance is down this week. <laughs> and so uh, that's either we freak some people out. Actually, if you met, I told you last week we're only going to leave it up for a week. I, I'm, I'm, my assumption is, is you can't even get the message now. But um, it's one of two things either, you know, into summer vacation, it's raining outside. Man, never let rain stop you from assembling together with the body of Christ, right? Uh, you're just gonna get a little wet. I'm actually preaching to the choir right now. You guys are here. Uh, to you wussies that couldn't get wet, might mess up your hair. Uh, man, I don't worry about that. 
All right, so what are we gonna see next? What are we gonna see next? Well, six key commands. Six calls to action is how Jude wraps up this letter. And so think about everything that we've seen so far, right? In light of the perversion of false teachers and all of these examples of their coming judgment or, or past judgment of false teachers, how do we as believers who are to contend for the faith, how are we, so, how are we to respond? Right? What do we do in light of the reality of false teachers? How do we live when we're having to deal with apostates? And so this first thing that Jude calls us to is to remember. Well, the first action is remembering. So we gotta prioritize this. We have to keep, as, as God's people, we have to keep our focus not on what people are saying, but on what the Word of God says. We have to keep our focus on the Word of God. Look at verse 17, but beloved, Remember ye, in light of all of this, false teachers and the judgment that that's coming for them. What about you, believers? But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice he uses the word beloved. He's talking to the church now. Notice that Jude does not even try and deal with the apostates. He doesn't even try to straighten them out. So we need to learn from that. We need to learn how to just cut, un, cut false teachers, unbelieving, faithless teaching. We need to learn how to just cut it off at the pass. How do we do that? How do we, how do we just null and void apostates and their false teaching? Well, we do that through two ways. First, as a local church, what should our response be to false teaching and false teachers? Well, the Word of God gives us a ton of ammo, a ton of information on this. Jude, or I'm sorry, Titus chapter three. Paul told Titus, okay, he's instructing him on how to lead the church. And so he tells him in verse 10, a man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject. And a heretic is someone whose teaching divides the church. You know, the church is to be a holy people. We are to be divided in one sense. We're to be divided, we're to be in the world, but not of the world. We're holy, we're separate unto Christ. Okay, we belong to him. And so that means we don't follow our opinions or the world's opinions. We have to follow the word of God, amen? Okay, so if somebody's coming in with a teaching that divides God's people from one another, and that's gonna be a big theme in today's message, uh, pay attention to that. So now this guy is, is coming up and his teaching is now dividing what Christ bled to unite. Well, you go and talk to him. And if he still doesn't get it, you talk to him again. But after the first and second admonition, if he's still talking trash, reject. Why? Verse 11, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. This is exactly what Jude is saying to the church in this letter. So let me just tell you, if you're at MBT and you're teaching crazy, at some point, right, we'll, we'll talk to you about it. If you're teaching crazy, we'll pull you aside and we'll have a conversation about it. And if you don't get it, we'll do it again. But at some point, right, we have to point you out to the rest of the Bible and say, hey, that's crazy Uncle Joe. And if you take him serious, you'll end up crazy too. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 6, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, we, that ye withdraw yourself, right, withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. 
So what do we have to do? I mean, if, you, if you're determined to teach crazy at MBT, at some point we're gonna have to point you out, but also we'll have to warn others away. Hey, you don't wanna go to Crazy Uncle Joe's Bible study because Crazy Uncle Joe isn't trying to find out what the Word of God says. No, he's got, he's got a bully pulpit to just justify his crazy positions. That's what he's doing with his Bible study. He's trying to just justify his crazy positions. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 14, and if any man obey not our word by this epistle, make a note of that man. Note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. See, there are people in the church, according to 2 Timothy 3, 5, who have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. They're not saying what the Bible says. They're substituting for the plain words of Scripture, their own private and peculiar interpretations, and basically the spirit behind that is this. Hey, if you don't see what I'm showing you from Scripture, you don't love God. You don't love the Word of God. You don't know your Bible. Your pastors are teaching you wrong. Man, pay attention to that. Romans 16, 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, here it is, mark them which cause, here it is, which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly. What are they doing? What are they really doing? They know what the Bible says, but what they're, what they're gonna do is turn the grace of God into lasciviousness in some way, whether it's satisfaction of their pride, satisfaction of their lusts, their appetites, their sexual desires, one way or another, their goal is to turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. And what are they doing with that? Jude told us in verse four, they're denying God, they're denying the Lord Jesus Christ. This isn't God's heart. We need to be a people that says, what does the book say? What do the words say? Let's hold to that, let's go with that, let's live by that. You know, words have definitions, words have meaning. If the book means what it says and says what it means, we ought to be able to discern what the Word of God says, how it applies to our life, amen? But you know, oh man, you got people with this Gnostic insight, they've got the truth, nobody else understands their, their great insight into scripture, and if you don't see it, it's because, well, you know, you don't have the hookup. They serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. So crazy Uncle Joe, man, if you're determined to teach crazy and undermine the pulpit, well then we have no choice but to let people know. We have to tell them, look, you see, it's just crazy Uncle Joe. And crazy Uncle Joe, you brought it on yourself. We are responsible to protect and equip the body to deal with the false wind of doctrine that you're blowing, Ephesians 4.14. You are a blowhard, you're teaching contrary to what the Word of God says. The Bible says up, you're saying down. The Bible says right, you're saying wrong. If it says north, you're saying south. Oh, we have to deal with that. We have to protect the sheep. Because why? Grievous wolves, Paul said, will enter in and try to draw away disciples after themselves. They're not interested in getting you equipped so that you know the word of God for yourself so that you can go and train others also. No, they want their own little, they just, they wanna build their own little cult. So we have to, we have to warn. 
We have to protect against false teachers, but second, we have to keep our members informed as to good doctrine. I've said this a number of times. Every believer ought to know Ephesians 4 like the back of your hand, okay? That is how we are to operate together as a local church particularly in verses 11 through 16. You have pastors, you have apostles and prophets. What's, what's that for? To establish every member, to mature every member in the word of God so that every member can hold the other members, members accountable not to go after false teaching. Peter knew that we needed this reminding. Notice the way that Jude phrases it. This was, the, the, the apostles talked about this, Jude said. Remember ye the words that were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter dealt with this. He knew that we all needed reminding. Again, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. He said, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Peter says, as long as I'm alive, I'm gonna keep reminding you of the fundamentals. There are things that you know, but you gotta be reminded that you know them because sometimes you will conveniently forget what you're supposed to know. We have to keep repeating the fundamentals of the faith. I know you know this, but we gotta go over it again. Why? Because these are the things that we need to all hold each other accountable to following. If you're a growing believer, you need to stick with the Peters, right? Those that are reminding you over and over again of the fundamentals of the faith. Stick with the people that are sticking with the book and teaching what it says. Not their own private, peculiar interpretations. Not their own Gnostic insights. Just like you mark and avoid false teachers, you wanna mark and cling to teachers of the truth. Check out Philippians chapter three and verse 17. Paul says, brethren, be followers together of me. Paul says, follow me. And mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. The people that are following the doctrine that we're teaching, you wanna hang with those people, why? Well, okay, because of verses 18 and 20. Notice the parentheses there. Paul says, follow me, okay? I'm not gonna lead you astray. Follow those that are teaching like I'm teaching. They're not gonna lead you astray, why? Well, because other people will. They're just like what Jude says. This is why you have to contend for the faith because you've got people sneaking in, <laughs> teaching other doctrine. They're turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. They are turning the grace of God. You have to contend for the faith because guys are teaching in such a way to make a, a, a space and excuse for God's people to turn the grace of God into satisfaction of the flesh, into lasciviousness. That can't be. Paul says our lifestyle, verse 20, our conversation, our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The admonition in scripture is follow me as I follow Christ. You wanna find that guy. You wanna find the guy that's following Christ and then you follow hard after them. Here's the key. This is what Jude is saying. Remember the words. That is an anchor for you, right? The word of God is an anchor for us. It will keep us straight when the false winds of doctrine are blowing. 
He says, remember what was spoken before the apostles. Luke called it, in Acts chapter two and verse 42, he called it the apostles' doctrine. The church continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So what did the apostles say about these, mar- these mockers and false teachers? Again, I, I told you, you wanna be, as we go through Jude, you wanna be reading Second Peter. Uh, Peter addresses this same content, particularly in chapters two and three. But in chapter two, verse one, check this out. He says, Second Peter two, verse one, he says, there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies and denying the Lord that, brought, that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Jude's like, see, I'm saying the exact same thing that Peter said. Check out the Apostle Paul. He goes into this exact same thing in much depth in 2 Timothy chapters, two, or chapters three and four. 2 Timothy chapter uh, uh, three and chapter four. Uh, we gotta figure out, we're getting, down, we're getting close to the end of our study in Jude. We gotta figure out where we're gonna go from here. Can I just tell you what's on my short list? Uh, Second Timothy, we've taught First Timothy, but we haven't taught Second Timothy, that's on the short list. We gotta hit Second Samuel, because we did First Samuel. I know what you want, Eric. You can't just get it through force of will, okay? <laughs> we just gotta pray, we gotta trust the Lord for this. But also, we did Genesis, we need to do, somebody said Revelation, well that's true, you do the first, you do the last, that's on my bucket list too, Revelation. But uh, man, Exodus, we got, I mean at some point we gotta cover the book of Exodus and then of course always Isaiah, that's. I used to think when I was a young man I would preach through the whole Bible Now I know why nobody ever does. (laughs) There's just too much there, can't do it. Paul deals with the same content in 2 Timothy, chapters three and four. So get this down in your notes. Let's let's be a church where we teach and remind each other of the apostles' doctrine. Okay, I've been referencing Ephesians four, let's look at it. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians four. Look at verses 11 through uh, uh, 24. We're just gonna walk through this very quickly. Ephesians four verses 11 through 24. What did God give the church? Well, in verse 11, God gives some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why did God give these leaders to the church? For the maturing of the members, right? For the perfecting of the saints and for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, verse 13, so that we'll all mind and speak the same thing. We wanna come to a place where we're unified in the faith and in what we know about the Lord. The goal is that every member would be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why, verse 14, so that, you know, a little child you can knock around, the wind can blow a child over. Uh, The mature are more anchored, they're more established. The goal for every member to know the word of God is so that we won't be like children, verse 14, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. There's blowhards everywhere. And some of them are very persuasive, they're very convincing. And if you don't know the truth intimately, then you are ripe for deception. You're ripe, you're ripe for being led astray. You need to know what the word of God says. 
It's by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they, they lie in wait to deceive. So what do we do? Verses 15 and 16, we speak God's truth. Speak the truth in love. Why, we wanna see, see the whole church grow up and be conformed into the image of Christ. The whole church, verse 16, needs to be able to work together, watch this, from Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. If you are here, if you're a member of Midtown Baptist Temple, you have a responsibility to speak the truth in love, to be a part of building up the faith of the rest of your brethren. God fitly joins you to the body. You can't actually have a meaningful conversation with every other member at Midtown, but if you're plugged into a Bible study, you can build up their faith. If you're plugged into a fellowship, you can build up their faith. If you are helping with discipleship, you are a member fitly joined, building up the faith of other members. Why, they need to know the truth. In verse 17, he says the reason that we do this is so that we don't waste our lives like the lost world's doing. The lost world's just going after what makes them happy. And they're not serving their creator. They are, verse 18, they're alienated from the life of God. Why? They're ignorant of God's truth. They're blind in their hearts. They're just like these false teachers that Jude is talking about. Look at verse 19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Verse 20, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Don't live like the false teachers, verse 22. Put off concerning the former lifestyle, the former way of living, the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt through, uh, to, to the deceitful us. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. We have to remind each other of the apostles' doctrine. We've got to hold each other accountable to what the book says. That's what's going to keep everybody safe. With, with the advent of the internet, false teachers and false teaching is growing Right, it's growing at an, I mean, the ability to access it, the way it finds you, it's growing at an exponential rate. You are going to constantly encounter false teaching. You must know good doctrine. You must know, you, you must know your Bible or you will be led astray. And if you think wrong, how are you gonna live right? If you know wrong, right? If, if what you know is wrong, how are you gonna live right? How are you gonna function to bring and to build and to edify others so that they're brought into the maturity of Christ. Can't do it. Verse 18, we need to recognize the reality of who we face. It says how, the, remember the words of the apostles. They told you about this, verse 18. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. So here Jude is bringing it right back around the horn to verse four. Okay, he's talking about these people who explain away biblical truth and they're turning now the grace of God into lasciviousness. The other apostles told you there would be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own, God, un, own ungodly lusts. Verse 19, these be they who separate themselves sensual. They follow what feels good. 
sensual, not having the capital S, right, spirit. They don't have the Holy Ghost indwelling them. They don't have the Holy Spirit of Christ in their heart and their life. So the word of God said that there would be days like this, right, in the last time. These people, these mockers, right, God's word said there would be days like this. There would be people like this. Mocking, that word mocking, those mockers, that same word is translated as scoffers in Peter's epistle, 2 Peter 3, verse one. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Again, you need to be reminded of this, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, what are they? They're sensual, they're not following the Holy Spirit, they're following what feels good. So they're scoffing about what the word of God promises so that they can follow their own lusts. What are they doing? Okay, Paul, Paul talks about the exact same thing in Romans chapter one. If you have, Paul's point in Romans chapter one is this, if you have eyes that can see, if you got ears that can hear, you can figure out that there is a creator and you can figure out that he is good. Amen? I mean, the heavens declare, the heavens reveal the fact, the person of God himself. And what does the cosmos tell you? Well, it gives you insight about his nature, but also it drives you, it should drive you to his word. Well, in Romans chapter one, creation is evident, I mean, it is, it, it is evidence of a creator. And Paul's whole point is when they knew God, they rejected him, they denied him. And instead of worshiping God, they worship the creature, they worship the flesh. They don't follow after God, they follow after what feels good and they end up in this wicked downward spiritual spiral. They end up to the point where they can't even think right. Uh, They follow a pattern of where they know the fact of God, they know the reality of God, they recognize the person of the creator, but they deny him. So here they are, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens of the earth which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Just like God dealt with rebels before, he is going to deal with them again. And instead of trembling at the word of God, the scoffer says, oh, fairy tales. Let's do, I mean, if it feels good, do it. And isn't that the spirit of our age? Isn't that the world that we live in? Isn't the world's opinion of of scripture that the fairy tales, we had our apologetic minute uh, in service again today. Didn't James do just an incredible job with that? Uh, Just very salient point. You know, here are these guys, just researchers. It looks like our genome goes back to one, you know, one set of parents, like we're all related. Biblically, we've known this all along. Whoever you're sitting next to, they're your cousin. I mean, even if you're married, it's a distant relative. No way around it. I mean, our greatest grandma and grandpa, it's, It's Noah and his wife, right? 
and then obviously before them, Adam and Eve. You can't miss the evidences for it. The word of God is true, but the lost world hates that. If the Bible's true, then that means they have, they're accountable to their creator, and they can't have that because they wanna do what they wanna do with whoever they wanna do it with in whatever way makes them feel the best, and they don't want some book holding them accountable to do anything else but what pleases them. So to make sure that you can't miss this, these scoffers, these mockers, these false teachers, the Word of God gives you countless entries into their profile. Uh, the Word of God wants to make sure you can, you can actually identify these people. Uh, we'll just go through a list of scriptures here and, 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 and see if this doesn't make sense to you. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul talks about false apostles, deceitful workers, and what they do, right, or just like Jude says in verse four, they're creeping in unawares. They sneak into the church. Creeps are always creeping in with false teaching. <laughs> Jude says you gotta earnestly contend for the faith. Paul's saying the same thing. They're transforming themselves as apostles of Christ. And no marvel, okay? You don't have to wonder that they look like us, they sound like us, but really they're bringing a new data set. Don't, don't, don't get impressed with that or, or be amazed by that. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Paul calls them the enemies of the cross of Christ in Philippians chapter three. He calls them the enemies of the cross of Christ. Why? Well, they're turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, right? Grace is abounding, we'll just continue in sin. Verse 19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Second Timothy three, Paul says in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boast, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natu natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Down in verse 13, he, he calls them evil men and seducers. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. What are they doing? They're deceiving and being deceived. They build whole clubs <laughs> around their dysfunction. Titus 1, verse 16. These creeps, these, these false teachers, they profess that they know God, but in works deny them, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. And then again, 2 Peter 2, verse one. But as there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately, they creep in unawares, shall bring damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift, swift destruction. These false teachers, okay, at their core, what they despise is a plain, straightforward interpretation of this book. That's really what's at the core. They despise that because if everybody is literate and they actually have a biblical vocabulary and if the words of the Bible say what they mean and they actually mean what they say, 
Well, that is a safeguard and it's a protection for God's people. And now they can't get away with explaining away scripture and teaching what they want to teach for the reasons they want to teach it. So people mock at dispensationalism. You can't miss, you can't miss the dispensational hermeneutic, right? You can't, you can't miss the dispensational truth that is in God's word. You can't miss it if you just read the Bible at face value, but they mock at it, why? Well, ultimately, it's because you can't throw Israel away with a dispensational hermeneutic. People mock at the idea of a pre-tribulation rapture or the rapture, the literal rapture of Christ's bride, uh, the, the, the church. And, and they'll do that because they're not looking for Jesus' return. They wanna, they wanna take a reform view. The church is bringing in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we're the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. We're really, God's gonna use us to build heaven on earth. I mean, that's a Genesis 11 mentality. They mock at the idea of Christ's return because they want the church to replace Israel. People mock at a faith-based view of the word of God. You mean every, you believe every word of God is true without any mixture of error? They mock at that position because you can't teach what you want if the Bible is the very words of God without any mixture of error. I'm telling you, from the bottom of my heart, I believe every word in this book is the very word of God in my English language. I believe I have it. I don't have to correct this book. I just need to come to it and let it correct me. This is a local church where you're not gonna have a pastor in the pulpit that's explaining away the word of God through their scholarship. We're not gonna do that here. I mean, how can anybody if we do that, how does anybody trust the word of God? I mean, can, does, can you really know what it says? Can you really know that it means what it says? When, when the pastor is saying, you know, I like the way the NIV renders John 3.16. But over here, I think it's the ESV that captures the best spirit of what God's word really meant in the original. Like he's got a copy of the originals. By the way, everybody that's talking about the originals, you just need to know. There are no originals. The originals have long, for thousand, I mean, over a thousand years, thousands of years now, they've been destroyed. We don't have the originals. All we have is a faith-based view of God's word. Did he do what he promised he would do, preserve his word perfect to every generation or not? You either believe that or you don't. This is why I'm a King James guy, because it is the only version, right, is the only translation of God's word in the English language that the church hadn't used Functionally, the church had it for over, used it for 300 years without any other, uh, there were no other competitors. It was just the King James. Okay, if it's not the certainty of the words of truth, then we never had it, we never will. Good luck figuring out what God's word says. I'm never going to correct what it says. I may give you the way that the, the word is translated in other places in your King James Bible, to help you see what that word means in a particular place, but it's not gonna be my scholarship. I'm gonna tell you what the gang's Jane did, the, the, the Jane, the gang's Jane. <laughs> the King James gang, you combine them and, and I got mush mouth. Okay, I'm just gonna tell you what they did, how God used them. This same word, mockers, is translated as scoffers, right in Second Peter. Yeah, a mocker, I'm mocking someone, I'm scoffing at them, you know, I'll do that because that's, the Bible does that. But I'm not gonna correct the book. 
They mock at a literal interpretation of scripture. Why? Because you can't teach what you want if you have to have a literal interpretation of scripture. They mock the approach to biblical discipleship. Why? Well, because the Genesis 11 approach to ministry, we're gonna make a name for ourselves, is far more self-fulfilling than a Genesis chapter one, verse 28. Genesis 1, 28 approach to ministry, well, that's God submitting. Why do they do this? Well, verse 19, Jude says very clearly, they follow the lust of the flesh. They're not following the spirit. They're doing what feels good to them. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, not having the spirit. Do you see that? 1 Corinthians chapter 2.14 says, the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God. They're foolish to him. He can't know them. They're spiritually discerned. He's, he's following what feels right. He's not following the spirit of God. How do they separate themselves? Well, they're not actually with us. They're causing division. Again, Romans 16, 17. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. They're teaching something unbiblical with the goal of dividing God's people. They're separating themselves. They're causing division in the church. This happens not just in resting the word of God, but it happens in relationships. Look at James chapter two. Here you have someone who is giving preference to the rich man versus their poor brother or sister in Christ. Are you not partial? Are you not then partial in yourselves, verse four? What's happening? You end up creating schisms. You you create division in the church. Why, because you're following after what feels good not after what is good. Again, why do they do this? The, the big theme that we saw is in verses three and four, right? I wanted to talk to you about salvation, Jude said, but it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They do this because they wanna follow the flesh. They wanna follow the lust of the flesh. First John two fifteen tells us to not love the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And you've got people that grow up in church, they come up in church. We see this happen from time to time. Uh, I, I wish I, I knew the foolproof way to protect people from this. But there are kids that will grow up in the church, in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, and they don't know what the rest, I mean, functionally, they don't know what the rest of the world is like. We, you know, whether it's mom and dad or, or the church, somehow we didn't do a good job showing them the results of following a lascivious lifestyle. We didn't show them the reaping uh, of a a lifestyle that's pursuing the fulfillment of the flesh. And they wanna go out and see what the world has to offer them. And it's usually through great heartache, great tragedy, great loss, great personal suffering that they will then come back, when they're old, they come back to a place of faith. it's heartbreaking. 
because the word of God is very clear. The word of God tells us up front what will happen whenever we pursue the sensual versus a walk in the spirit. So what is our response? What's our solution to this very real threat? Uh, It's hard work, but we have to do it. If we don't do it, it won't get done. And the people that God entrusts to us, they'll suffer as a result. Ephesians 5.11 says we're to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. We have to call it out. When it's wrong, we have to call it out. That's not comfortable, right? That's uncomfortable to have to have to correct error. But we have to do it. I mean, at some point we have to say, hey, crazy Uncle Joe, that's not what the Word of God teaches. You need to shut your mouth on that. That's not what the Bible is saying, and you know it. Romans 12.1, here's our response. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You don't get to live any of which way. You don't get to live according to your expectations. You don't get, Christian, you don't get to live for your own fulfillment. You belong to God. So lay down your life a living sacrifice. Verse two, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, here it is, by the renewing of your mind. We have the mind of Christ, amen? You wanna spend time in the mind of Christ every day. You need to know the word of God for yourself. Why? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You don't just want a quiet time. You also wanna get into a fellowship. You wanna join a Bible study. You need to be equipped from Genesis to Revelation. Jump in with us in LFBI. Know the word of God for yourself. Amen? Because then you'll be anchored and when the false winds of of just terrible teaching are blowing mightily, uh, you'll be anchored. You won't be knocked over, you won't be bowled over. Whenever crazy Uncle Joe shows up to this church, would you please speak up? Right, would you talk to your Bible study leader? Would you talk to your fellowship leader? Would you talk to your discipler? Hey, I thought we were learning that the Bible said this, but crazy Uncle Joe is saying that. What's going on? Okay, if crazy Uncle Joe has a record, like, like he's been doing this for a while, then they can tell you, oh yeah, that's just crazy Uncle Joe. You know, bless his heart. That's how you, in a sanctified way, always insult someone, you know. <laughs> Oh, bless his heart, bless her heart. (laughs) I'm not saying it's right, but we do have to warn, we have to note, we have to warn God's people about crazy Uncle Joe, amen? By the way, if your name is Joe, I wasn't talking about you, (laughs) all right? If your name is Joe, don't be offended. Um, if, If you're teaching, if you're teaching false teaching, well then just be warned. We're, we're looking out for you, crazy Uncle Joe. Okay, hey, here's what we need to do. Um.